Hey there, this is James Wilson with MTV Strength Training Systems and BikeJames.com and welcome to another Bike James podcast. This is going to be another classic Bike James rant. I uh, got set off the other day by a customer of ours with Pedaling Innovations, the uh, the, the catalyst pedal that I invented. Uh, he had gone to his local bike shop and had asked them if they could order the pedals for him, which of course we're happy to do. We love working with shops and uh, his shop guy, his mechanic, told him that the catalyst pedal is a gimmick and that he doesn't want it. And so he ended up ordering it online and so that shop lost a sale. And of course, the catalyst pedal is not a gimmick because gimmick has an actual definition, which I'll get into here in a second. And he found out that it was, uh, you know, indeed did exactly what it said it was going to do and, and the things that uh, we say to back up the claims are uh in in fact true and 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 are actually exist and so uh but it got me thinking the irony that someone would call the catalyst pedal a gimmick when the reality is is that the a lot of people out there have fallen for the biggest gimmick in the cycling industry and that is, you know, clipless pedals. And I'm going to break that down for you here uh, in this podcast. So first, though, what is the definition of the word gimmick? Because, again, <laughs> words have meanings. I know in today's society, we like to just throw words out there and attach meanings to them. And, and, but you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're using them correctly. So I want to make sure that if we're going to call something a gimmick, that we are using that, that term correctly. So if you look up the definition, definition of the word gimmick, the way that we're using it here, it is a trick or device used to attract business or attention. I think most people would agree that that's a gimmick. So, um, you know, again, we've all seen gimmicks, uh, to attract, you know, the, um, you know, the store having the, the, you know, in fact, we have a store here that's been having a going out of business sale for about 10 years now. Uh, you know, that's a gimmick. That is an untrue thing. They're not really going out of business, but it's being used to attract business and attention. Uh, you know, so again, this includes things that are untrue and also things that have no basis in science or facts. So again, just things that aren't true, things that are, are said about something to try to help uh, attract attention or to sell more of them that just have no basis in reality. That is the definition of the word gimmick. And when you look at it, when you break it down, clipless pedals they're sold on two things that, based on that definition, are in fact gimmicks. So the first of these is the the, the round pedal stroke theory, or the need up to or the need to pull up on the backstroke. There's countless graphics illustrating this quote unquote perfect pedal stroke. And everyone's seen them. It's got the little, you know, the colorful chart showing that this muscle engages here and this muscle engages here. And that if we're pushing and pulling just right, that you're going to see all these muscles engaging at this point, creating a nice circular pedal stroke where we're applying force as evenly as possible throughout the whole thing, especially by, by making sure that we're pulling up on the backstroke. But Excuse me, here's the problem here. These charts have no basis in reality. 
they've never been recreated using an actual EMG. That's why all of those charts, they're not EMG readings. They're like graphical artist renditions of this theory. If you've ever seen an EMG reading of the pedal stroke, what muscles are actually firing off at what points during the pedal stroke, they look nothing like those charts. So that makes those charts untrue. All of those charts that you see in, in the magazines and the websites, all those colorful little charts showing how the hamstrings are pulling up on the backstroke and all of these things, it's just, it is not true. And, and so again, science has looked at it and has shown through EMG readings that that's not what the pedal stroke look like or pedal stroke looks like. So if those charts are untrue, then by definition, they're a gimmick. And they're a gimmick because they only exist to help attract attention to this round pedal stroke, the need to pull up on the backstroke, which is only possible if you have your foot attached to the pedal. That's a big selling point for clipless pedals. You can't pull up on the backstroke. You can't recreate this pedal stroke without being attached to your pedal. And that leads directly to extra business for clipless pedals. But again, it's untrue. It has no basis in science, has no basis in fact. It's just a, an artist's rendition of a theory that has been shown to be untrue. So again, that's a gimmick. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of uh, clipless pedal riders have made their decision based on talking to someone or reading an article or, you know, someone who had seen this chart communicating this information. And so, again, unfortunately, it's been a lot of people have been duped by this gimmick, myself included at one point, into believing into the, the need for these things. Um, now, the second gimmick that is used to help sell clipless puddles is the need to be on the ball of the foot and to have a perfect repeatable foot position. So, uh, again, I know you can be on the ball of your foot on flat puddles, but it's very hard to maintain that position. Your foot wants to slide forward. And so to maintain that ball of the foot position, you kind of, you have to use something to attach your foot to the pedal. And you're also told that you want to be able to, to have the same perfect repeatable pedal or, you know, foot position each time you get onto your bike. But again, neither one of these claims are true. They have no basis in science. They have no basis in movement principles. The studies that do exist looking at this are either unclear or they actually point towards more of a midfoot position. And so, uh, you know, the body also, when you look at the movement principles, the body's not designed to be locked into the same movement over and over again. This leads to overuse injuries. Your, your, your system needs some quote unquote noise, slight variations from one, uh, from one rep to the next in your, in your movement pattern. So when you're running, for example, your foot strikes are slightly different each time. If you had the same exact foot strike, this is one of the reasons that um, shoes that have way too much support, art support and things like that, they don't allow the foot that noise that it needs and it leads to overuse injuries. This is also why machine training is bad for your joints compared to free weights. Why you know people are told to use free weights if you want more functional strength and also being locked into those ranges of motion and, and going through them every time over and over is bad for your joints. And so again, if this is true outside, off of the bike, then it's true on the bike. I mean, imagine doing thousands and thousands of reps locked into a machine. 
you know, you can imagine how bad your joints would feel. Well, that's what's happening when you're locking your foot into the same position and not allowing your foot position and how your foot's applying force into the pedal to vary a little bit from pedal stroke to pedal stroke and ride to ride. So again, this idea of this perfect repeatable pedal stroke, it's, it has no basis in anything at all. And so again, the science that has looked at it has been either inconclusive or pointed in the other direction. So again, that by definition makes the ball of the foot claim a gimmick because, you know, again, the, the definition of a gimmick is a trick used to attract business or attention. And so that's what both of these things are. The need to pull up on the backstroke and this round pedal stroke is a gimmick. It's untrue. And the need to be on the ball of the foot and have this perfect repeatable foot position every time you ride your bike in every pedal stroke, again, is untrue. And so, and, and unfortunately, in today's uh, society, it's easy to dismiss what I'm saying by someone just going, eh, Tour de France, you know, like, oh, so everyone in the Tour de France is wrong. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, yes, there, it is possible for an entire industry to get duped and, and you know, get some groupthink going and no one actually step back and take a look and go, whoa, you know, why are we doing what we're doing and, and what does the science actually say? So, but that's how we get sucked into a world where a gimmick like this has taken such a, a large stage in the cycling industry. So in my mind, this makes clipless pedals the biggest gimmick in mountain biking because they're sold to people based almost exclusively on these untruths, on these things that are simply not true. Now, the other thing, the other problem that you have that I also think makes uh, clipless pedals a gimmick is that they have some very real drawbacks that no one wants to discuss. Now, the first is that they force very unnatural movements onto the legs. And this is something that no one in the cycling industry really talks about, is how your legs are not designed to apply force in a straight line. Instead, you're, you're Feet, your, your legs use a spiraling or screwing motion as your feet apply force into the ground. And if you do this motion on a clipless pedal, this is why they have float on clipless pedals. Because if you literally locked your foot in a place, you'd blow your knees to pieces because they need this rotational movement. So the answer was to create float that allows your foot to move a little bit uh, freely and that takes some of that screwing motion pressure off of the knees and the lower legs. But the problem with this is that your the this motion is going you're you're wasting energy, your foot moving in the float. That's energy that's supposed to be being applied into the ground, into the the the, the pedal. And you're losing that energy. It's basically like trying to apply you know, energy into ice. I mean, ice is the same way. It has a little bit of friction so that your foot moves. I and mean, we can all imagine how easy it, you know, how hard it is to try and run or move on ice. Well, that's what float basically is. And so the other problem you you run into is your your uh, your legs are going to learn to try to minimize that spiraling movement, or they're going to create. Uh, a compensation through letting the knees cave in. This is one of the reasons that you see 
uh, riders um, with their knees caving in towards the top tube is this is one of their body's answers to trying to create this spiraling motion and avoid straight up and down lines with the legs because that's not how we're designed to move. And so you, uh, but you know, again, if you, if your foot moved the way that it was supposed to and your legs stayed stable, like we all know, you don't want your knees traveling inside of your foot. Again, if you're in the gym and this is happening, you're doing lunges or you're doing squats or something and your knee is caving inside your foot, this is called the valgus collapse and it is bad for the knees. It is running pressure unevenly through the knees and creating issues. And so you don't want that happening on the bike either. And so this is one of the reasons that so many riders have knee problems is because of the, the unnatural interface and the unnatural movements that it forces into your legs. I mean, you'd, you'd literally unclip if your leg stood still, you know, your knee stayed steady over your ankle and your foot spiraled the way that it wanted to into a clipless pedal, you would unclip. And so again, your body has to learn some, some unnatural movement to compensate for that, which isn't good. It's, it's bad for your legs and your knees. Um, this also applies to uh, cornering because you need to spiral your foot into your pedal in order to help set the edge and drive the movement. Anyone who's cornered on skis or surfboard or skateboard or anything like that understands the importance of being able to apply pressure through the whole foot, both the ball of the foot and the heel and being able to spiral your foot a little bit to to set your edge and, and help drive the movement. And again, if you did this on clipless pedals, you'd come unclipped. So your, your body has to learn an unnatural movement, an unnatural way of moving to compensate for this unnatural interface that your foot has with the bike. And lastly, your foot wants to apply pressure into the ground. And this means that it needs something underneath it supporting it. A stiff-soled shoe is not supporting your foot. It is only making it stiff. You have to have something underneath your foot that your foot can apply pressure into for your foot to be supported. If you have your foot supported by the pedal, then you can't twist your foot. That, that's kind of the whole point. That's the way your ground, the, the way your foot wants to interact with the ground. It wants to have a, uh, something supporting it that doesn't move so that it can twist and move, but the foot doesn't actually move. It's allowing this spiraling motion into the ground. This is how your foot wants to move. And so when you support your foot the right way, it can't twist because your foot is made to not twist as it's applying pressure into a stable platform. Well, guess what this means? If you can't twist your foot, you can't unclip. And so it, this means that if you have a properly supported foot, you have a platform underneath your foot that is supporting your foot properly, then your foot won't twist. That, that, that is by definition, a proper platform will, will resist the twisting of the foot so that your foot can apply force the way that it wants to. And this means you can't unclip. So realistically, this makes it very hard, if not impossible, to clip in and allow true natural foot movement through a, a good platform. Because again, it's just those two things don't, they, they can't 
exist together. And so, uh, so those are three really big movement drawbacks that, I, again, I, I, no one really discusses. I don't see anyone talking about this stuff, but they're very real movement issues that are created by this unnatural interface that your foot is forced into through clipless pedals. So, you know, the, the other thing is, well, you know, uh, they are more dangerous, especially for beginners. And the consequences of not getting unclipped are different. And in my opinion, they are worse than slipping a flat pedal. I mean, neither, neither system is perfect, but if the clipless pedal system fails and you don't get unclipped, you are risking head, shoulder, arm injuries. And if you slip a pedal, you're risking a busted up shin. Again, neither one is, is is good, but to pretend that those two are the same is, you know, it, it, it's an, a dishonest argument because uh, risking a head injury is, from not getting unclipped is definitely much worse than risking getting your shins cut up from slipping a pedal and having it come around and, and slam into your shins. So, um, so there is that drawback as well. So there are very real drawbacks. And again, these things are either they're never brought up and discussed or they're, uh, you know, quickly dismissed or shouted down, especially when you start talking about the dangers of clipless pedals, um, how quickly people start to try and, uh, you know, shame the person who's talking about it into just being quiet and uh, not bringing these things up, which again um, is, is unfortunate because it just we're not allowed to have discussions about these things basically in the cycling industry. Um, so, you know, these things aren't brought up. We're not allowed to discuss them. And the only things that we are allowed to talk about and discuss are the gimmicks that are used to prop up the quote unquote superiority of clipless pedals. The other thing is that, you know, I have a insight into the industry that most riders simply don't. I mean, having access behind the curtain like I have through my role as a strength coach for top riders and teams and also writing for some of the top magazines and websites. Like I, I've had conversations with people in the cycling industry who admit they know that clipless pedals are overhyped and oversold. And, but the problem is, is, the, is that the companies who sell them are the same companies who pay for advertising and pay for sponsorships. And so it's not worth saying something to these people because it's not going to change anything and it's just going to upset people who uh, hold the purse strings in a lot of cases, which again is unfortunate. But I, I, like I said, I've literally had the editor for one of the top uh, mountain biking websites tell me that, yes, we know that, that clipless pedals are overhyped and oversold, but um, saying something's just going to piss people off and it's not worth it. And, you know, I disagree with that myself but again these are conversations that most people most riders out there don't have access to they they, they don't have and so it always just you, you know you, you you're talking to your average rider who is uh he's just got the, the trailhead knowledge and the trailhead insights and he's just so sure of of himself and his uh, you know, belief in the superiority of, of clipless pedals without ever having actually looked into them for himself, without realizing that, that these conversations take place at a high level and that, uh, most of, most people just aren't 
privy to them. And so, uh, so anyways, like I said, I mean, what do you call a product that's sold based on a gimmick? It has very real drawbacks and they're never discussed or simply downplayed. I mean, for me, I call it a problem for our sport, really. I think that clipless puddles are one of the biggest um, uh, hindrances in, 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 uh, to growth for our sport out there, uh, especially because they are based on these gimmicks. But, I mean, whatever. We'll just be, called, we'll be nice and we'll call clipless puddles a wonderfully successful gimmick themselves because the, that's pretty much what they are. But, again, if you think I'm wrong, and I know there's going to be a lot of people out there who think that I'm wrong, but... I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to make the same challenge I've made from day one, which is simply to look into the stuff for yourself. Uh, you know, for my, again, the, the stories out there about Bike James, I joke about how, like, you know, Bike James is kind of like Tyler Durden in Fight Club. He's this fictional character. Like, I'm James Wilson, and Bike James is this fictional character out there on the internet who, you know, fell over at a stop sign one day and, and you know, in clipless pedals and, and ran off crying you know, trying to prove to the world how flat pedals are superior so he doesn't have to feel bad about not riding clipless pedals. I mean, that's a lot of times it's kind of the generalization of, uh, of how I've gotten to this point. But the irony is, is that I actually got to this point by starting to look into clipless pedals to see how they were better because I was working for uh, the Yeti World Cup team at the time, um, particularly working with Aaron Gwynn. And I was wanting to make sure that I was doing the best job for these riders. And so I started to look into the science behind clipless pedals to find out exactly how they did work and how exactly they were superior so that I could write better training programs for them. So this whole journey was not uh, spurred by me trying to disprove clipless pedals or prove the superiority of flats. In fact, it was quite the opposite. But once you start digging into it, and if you start to try to prove the superiority of clipless pedals, you quickly find out that things are not what we're told they are uh, once you start digging into it a little bit. In fact, I'm willing to bet that Fewer than one in a thousand. I mean, honestly, I'd probably say less than one in 10,000 riders out there who ride clipless pedals have ever done any research themselves into it. And outside of just, like I said, like reading an article that's just rehashing, but, you know, digging into it, like, okay, where are the studies? What does the science say? You know, where is this, this scientific proof of these things that are, are being claimed? And, Again, I'd be willing to bet that if more riders did this, we'd be having a very different conversation as a sport. But unfortunately, that's just not the case. Most people just end up taking it at face value without realizing that these things are just gimmicks that have no basis in truth. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, as a, as, a, as a sport, we've fallen for it hook, line, and sinker. So, you know, if you're interested... I've put together the Flat Pedal Revolution Manifesto to help riders learn the truth uh, about this stuff and start to break free of the gimmicks. And again, this is the information that I started to pull together as I was looking into the superiority of clipless pedals and trying to see how they worked better than flats. And this is the information that I came up with that started to point in a very different direction. And so it's a great place to start if you're really curious about this stuff. Um, again, I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, you know, you're, you're biased and you cherry pick the information in it. <clears throat> again, cherry picking is one of these words that it has a definition, which means that there's information out there that exists that I'm choosing not to include because it goes against my claims. But 
again, that's not the case. Like I've never seen any science out there. I've never seen anything that uh, backs up these claims of the needing to pull up on the backstroke or needing to be on the ball of the foot. And I have uh, asked many times if someone comes across something, let me know. And I, I've, I continue to look myself. And so by definition, that's not cherry picking. I'm just including what science is out there. And, you know, you can draw your own conclusions. But, uh, again, at least look into what I'm saying in the Flat Paddle Revolution Manifesto so you can at least understand what the uh, quote-unquote enemy is saying and, and how they're thinking and, uh, you know, see if you can challenge some of the, the, the things that I'm putting out there and, uh, and let me know. Because, again, as, as surprising as this may sound, I don't want to be right. I just want the best idea to win. And when you're arguing ideas based on their merits as far as their, their, uh, you know, the, the, their basis in reality and facts and science, and we're trying to figure out which one of, of these ideas is going to be best for us to apply, you know, that's, that's how I've gotten to the point that I'm at. And I am more than willing to change my mind if someone can present me with something that leads to another idea about this stuff. But uh, that just hasn't been the case so far. So that's why I'm pretty sure uh, about what I'm saying, despite the fact that, yes, all the riders in the Tour de France ride clipless pedals. I understand that. But there is a difference between no one in the sport having the balls to buck the trend and try something different and that piece of equipment actually being better than anything else. Huge difference. And so again, um, I believe that time and history will, uh, will play this out and, and we'll see. So, but, uh, anyways, some food for thought. Like I said, I know this is one of those, uh, podcasts that, um, is going to make a lot of people unhappy. Uh, it's going to reinforce for a lot of people out there, uh, because again, the flat pedal revolution is in full effect. And so it's just going to reinforce for a lot of people, uh, that yes, flat pedals are uh, a great option, if not a better option for the vast majority of riders out there. And really, I hope that this podcast, the real purpose of it is for those of you out there who are curious, you're kind of on the fence. You're not really sure about it. And, you know, you're hearing this and you're, uh, you, you, you want to learn more. And so that's what I encourage you to do. Don't just take my word for it. Look into it for yourself and, and make your own decision. But really that, that's at the heart of it is my challenge is to do that for yourself and stop letting the cycling industry use gimmicks to help shape your decisions in directions that may not necessarily be the best option for you. So, uh, anyways. That's going to do it for uh, for this podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts, as I'm sure a lot of people probably do, let me know. You can hit me up at uh, james at bikejames.com or you can go to bikejames.com and uh, do a search for this podcast, the uh, biggest gimmick and cycling podcast, and leave a comment there, and I'll be happy to get back to you. But, uh, yeah, hopefully some good fuel for thought. Uh, hope you guys have enjoyed this uh, podcast, and I will look forward to talking to you guys in the next one.